Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives emergency episode to discuss the not quite announcement, but everything but official announcement of Desmond. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, of Desmond Ritter becoming the starting quarterback for the Falcons heading into Week 15. Uh, we talked about it at great length last night on Falcoholic Live about we were expecting it. I know Adon was like 65% confident in it, uh, and I went as far as 90%. Uh, both correct. You know, we both were, were definitely feeling like this was very likely to happen. Um, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, all the stuff we mentioned last night definitely still applies, but now there's a lot less of the uh, dark cloud of like, well, maybe they actually don't ever play Desmond Ritter and then we just never get to see him or find out what's going on. Uh, but let's get started by checking in with Adnan. He's at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, how are you doing today? Uh, doing well. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful day here in Atlanta today. It's 75 degrees on December 8th. So that doesn't feel natural at all. But at the very least, we can enjoy the spring-like weather here for all of those in Atlanta. Right. Um, you know, it's made it's making me feel like uh, it's the NFL off season right now because we always have it going on during spring. Uh, we'll probably have a few emergency shows to discuss some big signings. You know, this this off season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The window is open. You know, the sun is shining. So <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a beautiful day here in Atlanta today. Yeah, yeah. We are uh, getting to actually talk about something that's fun for a change we haven't had a lot of fun over this last five game stretch uh where they've been uh one and four so it's been pretty dark so it's nice to get uh to get some light in here a ray of sunshine as adnan said uh and welcome in everyone duncan uh justin heinzel says first live show i've ever been able to make love the show justin what's up glad we could uh do one at a different time so you could so you could be here we appreciate that man um yeah, shout out to our European viewers who, um, you know, can watch. I think it's like eight, nine p.m. over in mm-hmm. Europe right now. So I know that normally our live shows when they're live in European time, that's what one a.m. and yeah, it's way North late. Yeah, and two a.m. and closer to Eastern Europe. So yeah, it's a uh, it's nice to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely agree with you there. Uh, appreciate everyone who tunes in and. You know, maybe sometimes it's it's a good thing to have a show at a little bit of an off hour so different folks can get in. Yeah, Neeks, not nice, says checking in from Canada, first live show here as well. Welcome, everyone. Um, yeah, California time makes it difficult to make, I imagine. I uh, 
for anyone that is on the Discord, you can see that I'm playing World of Warcraft Classic like all the time. Um, so yeah, I'm on a Pacific Time server, and that makes the rating difficult as well. So I definitely understand that uh, time change there. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Last night we both felt pretty confident. I mean, I was like extremely confident. Adnan was very confident um, that the Falcons would eventually make the move to Desmond Ritter. Uh, a giant L for the the Twitter timeline discourse uh, talking about how the Falcons had, you know, no faith in him and, you know, they wouldn't ever do it. But there was a, at least there, he had a good, uh, you know, CYA in there and uh, saying like, well, they might do it anyway, but like, you know, it, it they wouldn't want to. So, you know, just hold the L, buddy. Just just hold the L. Okay. <laughs> like I don't know. I I'm not going to I'm still not going to name names, but just go to the Twitter. You guys can find it, I'm sure. It's just like I hate doing that take anyway because you're basically saying like you're calling the guy a bust essentially saying he sucks and then saying like and then you're also throwing the coaching staff in front office under the bus in the same tweet by saying like, "Well, if they do it, they're not doing it because they want to. They're doing it because they're beholden to the fan base, which is like also taking a shot at the staff too. So I don't know. You know, I don't. I just. I probably wouldn't tweet it personally. Um, if you're if you're trying to go somewhere in the industry, you know, simultaneously shitting on the quarterback and the team, not likely to uh, endear you anywhere, especially when you're wrong. So. <laughs> In fairness, it's not the first time it's happened. You know, it's, that's true. It's, it's happened over multiple quarterbacks at this point. That's true. So, uh, you know, it's it's it was an odd hill to die on, but you know, I guess you got to do what you got to do. So, <laughs> anyway, how do you how did you feel when you heard the announcement? I was excited, but how how did you feel? I mean, yeah, I was excited, but it just made me annoyed overall. And I tweeted it out. It just made me annoyed that why are we waiting this long and i mean i get it you know perfect time bye week whatever but your bye week was in week 14 we always knew that we always knew it was an incredibly late bye week you know this season but you know are you really telling me that that desmond ritter couldn't have gone one and four in the last five games for example are you really telling me that desmond ritter couldn't have been better than second in the entire nfl and bad throw percentage behind only Zach Wilson, which is what Marcus Mariota is. 22.3% of his throws have been bad throws this season. Only Wilson has a higher percentage. You know, it, it just feels like we wasted time overall. And it feels like it, it, it feels like you have the worst of both worlds now. You know, not only did you lose and it's a losing season. It's going to be a losing season unless the team absolutely wins out from this point on, which that's not going to happen. But you also lost out on valuable time seeing what you possibly had in Ritter because I don't know if four weeks is going to be enough to really, you know, grade out if if Ritter is the guy that you want moving forward or not, uh, unless he's really, really bad or unless <laughs> yeah. he's really, really good, which – it's going to be somewhere in the middle of that. I, I don't think it'll be like on either end of the spectrum, but I, I don't know. It, it was just frustrating because it reminded me that we're doing this in week 15 as a five and eight football team. And it's frustrating knowing that if we were in any other division in the NFL, other than the NFC South, this would have been done weeks ago, but instead I, I've kept repeating it. I know people are sick of me repeating it, but 
it just sucks that Arthur Smith and the coaching staff let outside forces dictate what he's going to do in house with his quarterback position. And I, I, I don't know that 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 just that just made me feel some type of way. I am really happy that we are going to see Desmond Ritter, but you know I said it at the beginning of the season, and I, and I repeated it. Uh, throughout the beginning of the season, that mini bye week after that second Panthers game was the perfect time for this. It yeah. was the per- like not only did you give Marcus Mariota his opportunity, you know, you even won a few games, but you saw that this team was so limited and the ceiling of this offense was so capped by Marcus Mariota's deficiencies in throwing the ball deep. Um especially at that point in the season. Uh, I, I remember that Panthers game, you know, he looked very poor. I know it was in the rain, but that wasn't the first game where Mariota sort of, you know, cost the team a little bit with his arm. But, you know, you had 10 days. And then after that Panthers game, you had that lighter stretch in the schedule, which you really could have taken advantage of. And instead, you know, you stuck with Mariota and then you lost that lighter stretch of games anyway. And now now it's just a bad look that, you know, we waited this long to pull this trigger when it should have been pulled weeks ago. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, I think I officially called for Ritter starting in week 10. I think you were, you might have even been earlier than that. I don't remember. But uh, I mean, I called for him to start earlier than that, but I, I know before the season that Thursday night game was was the game where I marked it as all right. After this game, we should we have a really good chance of integrating Ritter, you know, into the starting lineup at the very least with three extra days. Like the bye week was too late to really just be relying on it. And to be honest with you, I think had the Buccaneers not lost, not won the game on Monday night, I don't think that we would have even gotten the Ritter announcement yet. I think Smith would have continued sticking with Mariota because, you know, he's the veteran and, uh, you know, we're in, we're in contention, but you know, it's just frustrating because uh, I, I legitimately believe he's just that hard headed about it. Yeah. I guess I'm just not sure. Like I know, I guess like I probably would be taking your stance if you weren't here. So I'm going to play like the team advocate side of this, you know, so we can get some differing opinions, but, um, you know, I, I do wonder if they sort of always had targeted the buy and like they we all know they got hosed with their late buy. Like every team that has the this week fourteen buy is mad about having the buy this late. Like nobody wants this. So you know, maybe the plan all along was to stick was to insert Desmond Ritter after the buy. They wanted him to have, you know, X number of weeks to learn the offense and get used to everything and all this stuff. And as long as they weren't, you know, Based, like as long as Marcus Mariota wasn't like lighting it up and, and really entrenching himself as a, the future at the quarterback, the plan maybe was always to do this. I mean, we don't know that. We don't. I, I can't necessarily discount what you said, which is that if the Falcons, you know, if the Falcons had beat the Steelers, for instance, or the Buccaneers had won or had lost to the Saints, it's like, you know, it. do they still make the change now? Who knows? Um, Like how tenuous was this quarterback decision really? And part of me is starting to feel like maybe it really wasn't that tenuous. Maybe the plan was always this way, but we have no way of knowing. And I don't blame you, Adnan, or anyone else for being skeptical that the change maybe wouldn't have come if this situation hadn't played out and for criticizing the team for waiting this long, because I agree with you that probably should have happened earlier if they actually wanted 
to give Ritter like a realistic chance of sparking a late season run, getting this team to the playoffs. I mean, technically, if they were to, if the Falcons were to win out, they probably would make the playoffs um, because that would mean they'd be what nine and eight, um, and yeah, I, the Bucks think, might not get to nine wins. So you know, it's. Po- I think if the Falcons do win out, mathematically they'll probably make the playoffs. I don't think for a second that they will win out, you know, even though the schedule isn't, you know, this daunting, grueling journey the last four weeks. I I don't think that this team is good enough to beat the Ravens on the road, you know, even without possibly Lamar Jackson. He may be back by that point. I don't know if this team is good enough to beat the Cardinals despite their struggles. I don't know if this team is good enough to beat the Bucs at this point, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's entirely possible. And until we see... Ritter, I think, you know, if he goes out and like lights up the Saints and looks amazing, then we might all be saying like, oh, well, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs now. You know? Yeah, so, but then we'll, uh, then we'll all be saying, yeah, why? Like we'd be in a better spot had you started him earlier. I just I just don't see much of a difference between starting him in week 10 and starting him in week 15 regarding his progression, regarding yeah. his development. That, I don't think for a second that five weeks of practice time will – make that much you know of a difference in in a quarterback's development it's not like a it's not like having a full off season of work um and honestly i i just think that this season was so important to evaluate what you have with because he was a day two pick at the end of the day and you know if you throw him out there and you are convinced that he's the franchise guy uh, then you know, perfect. Like you, you can check off the biggest check mark possible for building a team, which is your franchise quarterback. But at the same time, even if he goes out there and you know he struggles and he shows to you that he's not the guy, then you've still gained something. You've still gained that information and in knowing that all right, you know, Ritter isn't the long-term starter. Maybe he's the long-term backup. Um, but we still need to look for a new quarterback and you want to be able to search for that quarterback as soon as possible because it's just that important. It's the most important position in sports. What gets me is that you've lost valuable time in doing that. I'm not convinced that four weeks is enough time to you know, evaluate that properly. And you know, maybe eight or nine weeks isn't enough time to evaluate that properly either but it's a lot better than four weeks and what you gain from sacrificing that time the opportunity cost of that was what going one and four it in delusions of contention yeah i i agree with you like i i think that they've been sort of not realistic playoff shot even in this division like not like ever since that loss to the panthers in week 10 they've looked bad uh, the offense has just continued to be mired and the passing game got more and more inconsistent every week. And you're absolutely right. Like that the Bucks being bad, like we talked about, it, like the Bucks being awful sort of like made this worse for the Falcons. And it's really unfortunate because in any other season, like if this was 2023, the Falcons might be like running away with the division with like eight wins right now or something like that. Um, you know, it, but this year it's like everyone's so bad. It was probably tempting 
the coaching staff and the team to try to play for the playoffs because making the playoffs, even if you make the playoffs at seven, eight, and one or whatever, like whatever terrible record, like if you make the playoffs, that's job security, that's playoff experience for your guys. Like I don't blame anyone, especially no, the coaching staff, for wanting to do it. Yeah, like uh, I'm not saying that making the playoffs isn't valuable, but you know, was Mariota really like? he wasn't the reason why you were in contention. Like, if anything, I'd argue that you were winning a few, many of those games despite Marcus Mariota. Like, I don't know if this will be that much of a downgrade. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not like you're pulling, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Pat Mahomes, these guys who in years past, you know, they're the reason why their teams are, in contention the way that they are like the falcons were winning games because of their run game i don't think that like and and i get it Mariota did add that extra dimension as as a scrambling quarterback himself but i think you just lost out so much with with the passing accuracy especially the deep passing accuracy i think that you know ritter is going to be is going to have less you know bad throw percentage than marcus Mariota this season i think Ritter could uh, could have more deep passing plays or more explosive passing plays. The Falcons are 29th in explosive passing plays. Like, you know, this, you know, this is what you picked, you know, overall. That that's that's another point in my frustration. Like, you know, Mariota wasn't carrying you. Like mm-hmm. you were like I said you were winning a lot of those games despite Mariota. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Nico, the mood is jolly. Like, trust me, we're, we're sort of touching on the negative stuff first before we just launch into praising, you know, Ritter and being excited. So we wanted to cover the difficult stuff sort of early on so we could get to the fun stuff. Um, but yes, like overall, I think everyone should be excited about this. I, I don't, there's not really a downside like Adnan was saying. Like, I agree with you, Adnan. Like, I, I don't think going to Ritter gave them a, a less like a worse chance of making the playoffs or, or hurt would hurt the offense. Now we have to see that we don't see him in practice. So we're, we're all, we're speculating, which is of course what we do as, as media that isn't, you know, at practice every day. That's, that's, that's the best we can do. We watch the games, we read the reports, we get as much information as we can, but we don't, even the media that is there only gets to see the first like 15 minutes of practice or something like that before they go somewhere else. So like it, there's not a whole lot to be gleaned from it. We have to sort of take the coaching staff's word for it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that the idea was they wanted to get Ritter as prepared as possible. The idea is that he's prepared now and can go out and hit the ground running. That would be the best case scenario, right? That he not We're not expecting him to win out or do anything crazy, but if he can go in, win a game or two, and look like a better version of Marcus Mariota and, and play well, like I think that we're going to be happy with that. And, you know, it's picking a quarterback in the third round is always like sort of a weird spot, right? Because it's like, well, if they loved him, you would think that they would have taken him earlier. Um, but it's like, well, they liked him more than like just random depth guys that teams take every year in the late round. So like, he's sort of in that middle ground of you expect this guy to get a shot to be the starter, but it's not guaranteed. Um, so now that, that Mariota is out of the way, I think that he's going to get a legitimate chance, uh, to, to be the starter next year, I think. And that, that's, I think one of the positives of this Arthur Smith scheme is that, and, and even with Mariota, you could see to some extent, like they don't need an elite 
pocket passing, you know, quarterback to make this thing go. They've got the running game in place now. The offensive line is starting to come together. I think it's a couple pieces away still, but you know, set, get a, get an impact center in there, and I think you're probably pretty happy. You know, if you bring back Caleb McGarry or or some some other big tackle, but um, it's like all you really need is a Tannehill. Like you don't need a Mahomes. Like everyone would love a Mahomes. Mahomes would be awesome yeah, in this I offense. Did. I would never say no to that. But like. So few teams have a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson. Um, so few teams have that quarterback. So if you can create an offense that doesn't necessarily need that, but can get by with the next level of quarterback and be very good. I mean, the Tennessee offense with Tannehill with Arthur Smith there was like one of the top offenses in the league every single year and the best red zone offense. So clearly they could get it done with a Tannehill level talent, like a second tier quarterback. Um, and I think Ritter could be that second third tier quarterback you know we have to see how he develops he doesn't have that high-end talent of those top of the first round guys but I think he's got the talent to be a like second tier starter like a Dak Prescott and he's gonna get a lot of comparisons to Dak because they're both drafted in the third round both getting opportunities to start when they weren't necessarily expected to be a franchise quarterback so we'll have to see how that goes but yeah, you know, Nico mentions Kirk Cousins. It's the same thing. Like, we've seen with all these guys, they're not necessarily the high-end talent, but they don't have to be to be an NFL franchise quarterback. Um, and I think Desmond Ritter could do that. But, you know, how do you feel about him potentially being the future? Do you have some level of confidence in that? Or is it more like a stopgap thing in your eyes? I mean, it's not nothing. Like especially we watched him in preseason. We covered every play in preseason on, on our live shows in, in the preseason games. And he what what's promising to me is that Ritter looked really good and he his arm strength even looked better than at Cincinnati in college. Like he looked like he had more zip on the ball. He was confident, you know, he he read the field well. He navigated the pocket well. He was clutch when he needed to be. So I'm not going to make this like a, a full-on, you know, 0% chance. Uh, I think there's a decent shot that Desmond Ritter is going to be the guy moving forward. Um, I don't think it's fair for people to expect him to be the ne- next Patrick Mahomes. You know, Mahomes is one of one. You know, Josh Allen is one of one. Uh, both of these guys also were first rounders, um, but you know it, it, it's a it's a difficult question. I I think he'll he'll definitely get a a fair shake. He'll get a fair shot to see if he is that over the next four weeks. Um, but you know I can't really answer that without seeing how he plays in the regular season. Like he looked great in the preseason, but it's not it's not the same as, as actual regular season games. And we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see what he's made of in new Orleans. That's, that's a hell of a first game as an Atlanta Falcons quarterback to travel to new Orleans. doesn't matter if they're four or nine, you know, that team would love nothing more than sweep the Falcons. They have nothing else to play for. You know, that this will be the Saints Super Bowl and next week. Um, So, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, you know, I, I definitely think this is a, a whole different conversation, but I definitely think that the Falcons will go hard after 
you know, any potential franchise quarterback, established franchise quarterback that possibly comes available in the offseason, no matter what we see with the Ritter over the next few weeks. You know, whether that's Lamar Jackson falling out in Baltimore, whether that's, you know, possibly Kyler Murray falling out in, in Arizona. Um, but, you know, uh, that's that's very unlikely that that happens. So we'll, we'll see what we have in Ritter. You know, I, I don't want to paint too negative of a picture on the news. I know I've been negative enough on the show so far, but that's just, like I said, that just plays a part into my frustration that it's it's easier to evaluate someone, you know, long-term if you have eight or nine weeks versus only four weeks, but we have what we have, and at the very least, it's better than having nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it it's reasonable not to expect Ritter to be a franchise quarterback. That's realistic. Um, the hope is obviously that he can be one of the exceptions and, and do that, and I think the talent level is there. Like, he has enough talent to be that type of player, but I don't expect that they would turn down the opportunity to go after a Lamar Jackson. Like, I think that they will pursue those top quarterbacks if they become available because those guys are just clearly, like, in that tier one of quarterbacks. But I don't think... But unlike, you know, some teams, it's not like, well, we're going all in for this guy, and if we don't get them, then we have no backup plan. Like, plan 1B is, like, we're going to go with Ritter, and we think he can be a good starter in this offense, and we think he's going to be able to do it. So, um... You know, you do wonder, like, do the Titans, now that they've cut, like, gotten rid of John Robinson, like, do they move on from Tannehill? Do you bring in Tannehill uh, to be, you know, someone that competes in here because we know what he can do in this offense? We already talked last night about, like, look, maybe they just cut Mariota and bring him back as, as a backup because clearly Mariota's, like, a very good backup. Like, I mean, he's capable of winning you games, certainly, like, and keeping your offense more than afloat. So, like, this is not to denigrate Mariota, but you know you don't want to pay him $14, $15 million or whatever he's making next year, so they're probably going to cut him, but you know maybe you consider bringing him back. I, I think they're going to bring in somebody else to compete, quote-unquote, and you know give, give a secondary option if things were to go bad with Ritter. But I, I do think that unless they pull off a trade, like you said, for one of these top quarterbacks, it's probably going to be Ritter as the presumptive starter next year. Um, so that's, that's my thinking there is that I, I think that he's the heavy favorite to be next year's starter. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback in this class. Um, I just, I don't think they're going to be in range <laughs> of the top guys. And I don't really think that you're taking one of the other guys at like eight. Um, and I, I think that you basically just go with Ritter and, and you try to bolster the team around him and make it better. Um, and these next four games will go a long way into sort of solidifying that picture. Because like we said, if he's good, if he's promising, then you feel good about that strategy. And, you know, maybe that dissuades you from offering, you know, the three first round picks it's going to take to get Lamar Jackson. Like maybe your team, maybe Ritter's good enough that you, if you hit on those three first round picks, bringing in big time contributors to your football team, that's actually a better overall team because we've seen how bad this defense is. Um, you know, I I think everyone would still be tempted by Lamar because it's like, well, you know, Lamar is a great NFL quarterback, so that's that's like actually a safer investment than hoping to hit on three first round picks, which of course doesn't always work. Oh, out, no, if Lamar comes available, and yeah. I'm not saying that it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, 
but I am saying that there's a non-zero chance now because, you know, if he has a falling out with the Ravens, um, they're going to have to tag him this offseason. I think his contract. Yeah, that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so the way the franchise tag works is that it's set up to let a player beat it. Like a player will beat a franchise tag if he gets tagged twice. It's what happened with Kirk Cousins in Washington years ago. Uh, a team can feasibly only tag a player two times because every single time you tag uh, a player, they get, I think, twelve a 12.5% raise uh, on their previous contract. It so, might even be more severe. It's a lot, though. Yeah. So if Lamar gets tagged this offseason, he'll make the equivalent of the average of the top five quarterbacks. And, and I know this isn't a Lamar podcast. We'll save that. For <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, if they tag him, it's he'll make a, a shit ton of money. Uh, it'll yeah, be a yeah. shit ton of a cap hit. And then if they tag him again next off season, he'll be the largest cap hit in the NFL because that'll be a 12 and a half percent raise from what he gets this off season. I haven't, yeah. I don't know what the numbers are. The NFL will announce those in the offseason. Like the NFL announces that every year. No player has ever been tagged for a third year because the the raise in the third year is, yeah. you know, astronomical. And yeah. his cap hit w- would be the largest cap hit in the history in, of the NFL for one for one specific um, season. And no team can afford that. So, you know, if he does get tagged this offseason and if they cannot come to terms on a contract, then I think the Ravens may see the writing on the wall and they may want to to move him before it's too late while they can get peak value. And if that comes to fruition, then Atlanta needs to be absolutely all in on that. Like, I mean, absolutely throw the kitchen sink at them for a chance to pair Lamar Jackson in this off offense with this run game with Pitts and Drake London you know as much as I like Ritter as a prospect I'm not I'm not letting the possibilities of Ritter having that 10% chance of becoming as good as Lamar Jackson is you know cost me an opportunity at at a legitimate MVP yeah yeah it's unlikely that that we get Lamar Jackson because even if he does become available it's very unlikely yeah but I'm just I'm just detailing what the uh, what the pathway would be toward that, and I yeah. think the first domino which fell toward that happening was them not being able to come to terms on, on an extension this past offseason. Yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll have to we'll see how that plays out. It'll be one of the biggest storylines of the offseason if he does become available. At, like many many teams will be getting involved. So like, um, you know. Even if he does become available, the chances he actually ends up in Atlanta are probably pretty low overall. But it's fun to talk about. It'll be a, a big topic this offseason, of course. Um, before we continue here, guys, uh, do you want to thank everyone for tuning in? Please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Welcome to like the almost 200 of you hanging out with us on a, on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, love it. Loving it, guys. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast version, leave us that five-star review. Appreciate that. Uh, we're currently running our Senior Bowl fundraiser, so if you do have burning questions, you can donate at the link uh, in, in the show description, streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip, and we will read your questions on the air, uh, and that will be going towards our Senior Bowl 
training, uh, well, senior bowl travel fund, not training camp. We're not going to training camp yet, guys. We still got, you know, another eight months for that, but we got to parcel out the off season. All right. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for that. Can't and wait. Then, yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always, it's always a fun time. Oh yeah. With the, Big with time. Training camp, but. Mm-hmm. Yes. And a uh, big shout out also to the, all the patrons as well. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning into the Q and a earlier this week. And if you're interested in taking part in those in the future, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash alcoholic live. We appreciate all that guys. Thank you. Um, yep. all right. Yeah. So going forward, we're going to see Desmond Ritter. How do you expect the offense to change Adnan, and, or do you not expect it to really change with Ritter at the helm? I mean, I think there'll be fewer design runs, uh, because that, that is Mar- one of Mariota's strong suits. And I think, you know, as frustrating as it is with how hard-headed Arthur Smith is, he can call a hell of an offense. And I think one of the, you know, great things about Arthur Smith as a coordinator and as an offensive play caller, former offensive coordinator, and something that all of the best offensive play callers do is they adapt their offense to the strength of the players around them. You know, we saw we saw it happen in Tennessee. Um, I think we'll see it happen here in Atlanta, where we may get fewer designed runs, but I think we will see a lot more play action. Um, I think Smith w- does still want that, you know, aspect and semblance of a deep passing game. I, I don't think that they're just going to completely restrict Desmond Ritter the way we've seen, you know, for example, Tennessee, the way that they've restricted Malik Willis. Uh, pretty much in the spot starts that Willis has had to have with uh, Tannehill out injured this season. We saw it was just him handing off to Derrick Henry over and over again. Yeah, it's not going to look like that. Yeah, It's not going to look like that. And in fairness, we don't have Derrick Henry on our team. Um, But yeah, I I think, you know, we saw a lot of great things in the play action game from uh, Desmond Ritter in the preseason. I remember in that Jets game, I think there were about three or four straight plays where it was just all play action over and over again. I think that's something we'll, we'll see something similar to that. I think we, we may even be one of the most play action heavy teams in, in the league over the next few weeks. Um, you know, we'll still have a very analytical approach to everything. A, a lot of motion. Um, I think the run game will still be the focal point of this offense. I, I don't think that Smith will want to get away from that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we'll have more, we'll have the passing game helping the run game, you know, a bit more, even if that means that the run game, you know, from a raw number standpoint, suffers a little bit with Ritter not being the, the same caliber rusher as Marcus Mariota. So I think we'll have, you know, the passing yardage will probably go up a little bit more at, at the expense of some of the rushing yardage. But overall, I think we'll still see, you know, a very good offense, even with even with the rookie quarterback making his first few starts at the helm. You know, I don't think that they'll completely restrict him. I think they'll let they'll encourage him to let it fly, you know, Mm -hmm. so to speak, or, you know, over the course of the next few weeks, the same way that they encouraged him to let it fly in the preseason. I think we'll see a lot of, you know, similar theoretical concepts that we saw in the preseason. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, Ritter actually was very effective running in the preseason as well. I don't, I agree with you that they're not going to emphasize that as much as they did for Mariota. I mean, Mariota had a career high in rushing attempts this year, but it will still be part of the offense. And 
I'm hopeful that they just connect on a few more of these deep shots uh, with Ritter's accuracy. Hopefully it being be an improvement there. It, it can't be worse, be right? Worse <laughs> can't be worse. Yeah, so um, that's the hope. And that the passing game as a whole is just a little bit sharper, uh, a little bit more effective. Um, because I, I think, and we talked about it yesterday, like the, the weapons in the passing game are better than expected with, you know, especially with Calvin Ridley not here. Like, I think we've seen that Zacchaeus is a capable number two. Uh, London is definitely a good one. We've seen Kaderil Hodge step up and Demir Bird as the speedster. Like, I, I think it's just like it looks – everything there is good. Uh, the running game is, is clicking, and in theory, this is a situation where a young quarterback should be able to have some success. So I, I'm hopeful um, that – this also gets to more of a balanced offense overall because up until now, they, they, they were running more than they were passing, which is something that almost never happens in the NFL anymore. Not the modern NFL. Yeah. Um, so if we could get this at least to a 50-50 split, because it's really hard to win games in the NFL throwing fewer than 20 attempts, and the Falcons were doing that quite frequently. So I think we're probably going to get closer to that 25-30 attempt number. Um, but I think that's fine. And, and I think you can certainly win games in that range. I mean, that's where Tannehill sort of lived in those great years in Tennessee, you know, sometimes 35 and, and shootouts and stuff like that. But, um, I think the situation isn't actually that bad for him to step into. And hopefully now that, hopefully now that he's actually had significant time to get ready for this start, he'll have the bye week you know, as well. And, and I, I hope that it ends up working out well for him, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because it's, it's been a, uh, a long time coming. So I hope that, uh, I hope that they make it work basically. <laughs> like I hope, I hope there's something at least mildly encouraging and it's not just an abject disaster because that would be crushing, uh, to have that. So I don't think it will be that bad also. Like, I think it'll be fine. I'm not sure it'll be like amazing, like maybe what some people are hoping, but I think it'll be fine overall. Um, yeah, we got a question from Dylan. Uh, well, just a comment really with the $3. Thank you, Dylan. Says, I will, I will take connecting on the deep shots, but I would also be excited for them to connect on the short and medium shots too. Yeah, and that was that was one of the big issues lately with Mariota was like, it was it's one thing to just be bad throwing deep bombs, but they were just missing like layup passes. Like they were missing short stuff, intermediate stuff, everything. And it, that was really killing the offense. Um, I think the stat was that someone put out the other day, uh, like earlier today that they were one of 20 on third and nine or, or greater over the last like five games or something like that. One of 20 on third and nine or, or greater. Uh, and that's why the offense is in the toilet because sooner or later you're going to come up against a third and long and you're going to have to convert some of those. And they just were not doing it ever. Uh, so. uh, it's one of those things where every any time the offense had a single negative play or any time there was a single flag, the drive was over. Like you know, you, you could pretty much mark that you know you're not getting to the sticks. Um, so which you know that's that's not a sustainable offense in today's NFL, and that's one of the reasons why they only scored what four. 13 points last week, um, 13 points the week before. Like, this offense has looked really downright bad the past few weeks. Like, the Bears game was fine, you know, part of 
part of the reason why, you know, the point total was high in that game was because Patterson had that kick return touchdown too. Um, but yeah, it's, um, and, and in fairness, we, we saw, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, the preseason and the regular season are the same, but remember we saw that game against the Jets where Ritter helped convert it second and 28 at one point. You know, he converted a third and 14 later on in that drive. Like he was going out there and he was converting these, you know, high yardage situations. So I think at the very least the offense will be better at, you know, not letting one single negative play completely derail the entire drive. Yeah. And it, and they were making that even more likely to happen because they were basically running these super long, methodical, grinded out drives. And when you have 12, 14 plays in a drive, it, any one big mistake, like any one penalty could derail it. Like that's not going to lead to a lot of offensive sustained success because like this team does need to move down the field methodically. And if they, they, have a, a setback like because guys are like you're gonna get holding calls like even good offensive watch you're gonna get holding calls you're gonna get false starts you're gonna get things that go wrong you're gonna get tackles for loss like stuff happens um and you have to be able to overcome that and they just weren't able to do that with Mariota and and teams were just selling out more and more to stop the run and honestly the Falcons weren't really slowed down by it that much like they were still running the ball well which is really a testament to what they're doing here but um it was getting very difficult to watch the passing game just just really continue to to languish and fall apart and that that's really what the hope is that we can just see Ritter orchestrate a functional passing attack and if he can hit a few big plays here and there and, and use his legs and just start to get his feet under him as an NFL quarterback that's really what I'm hoping to see I'm not putting big expectations on him to win a bunch of games. You know, the only expectation is you got to beat the Saints. That's always the expectation. There's no way around that. You have to figure that out. But uh, if he can fi- if he can beat the Saints this this coming week, he will endear himself to the fan base. Like in a lot of ways this is like a great beginning potentially for him, right? He can the legend can grow with like a big dub over the Saints, uh, your arch rival where you really bury them, you know, at, at like 4 and 10. Um and, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he could pull it off, but uh, it's just such a, a wide open, wide open question right now. We have no idea what he's going to look like against a starting defense. But, I mean, I agree. Like, everything you said about his play in the preseason, it was very encouraging. Um, like, he looked good. He looked better than most of the other quarterbacks in the preseason. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what he can do, if he can convert that into some positive regular season play. But we got to see it, um, and you know, don't don't jump down his throat if he struggles. You know, this this coming game because the Saints are a good defense. Like even depleted as they are now, that's still a good defense that's keeping them in games basically every week. So nobody should panic unless he looks outright ridiculously bad. Like yeah. unless he looks like Zach Wilson, <laughs> yeah. no, nobody should like panic over. Yeah, he is a rookie quarterback. At the end of the day, he will take his lumps. Uh, you know, not everyone, you know, is like Cam Newton coming in his first week, just absolutely lighting the Cardinals up, you know, or like Matt Ryan just lighting the Lions up in his first game. Um, although it would be, it would be really fun. Like, imagine how fun that game would be if, if Ritter just comes in and just like 
dices the Saints up, like up and down the field all, all afternoon. I think that would be the most fun game, you know, for me as a Falcons fan since that Super Bowl year, easily. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be magical. I would be a big fan of that. Um, and keep in mind, like Desmond Ritter is a bit of a slow starter in college. Um, that he would tend to make mistakes early, and then he would just get really hot. And like, just like the first quarter was his worst quarter. And then he would just tend to really dominate down the stretch. Um, so don't be surprised to see him a little bit cold to start off. Uh, I wouldn't get too panicked if he has like a couple of poor drives or looks a little scattershot early because that's what he, like in college, he, he just gets like into it. Like he's sort of, is a little nervous, you know, and especially for his first NFL start. And then he would just calm down and get in the zone and just start dicing teams up so although knowing arthur smith i would not be surprised if he dialed up a play action deep shot on the first oh yeah that's that is like just like let's go just rip it like rip it play one don't care like let's go um i mean i why not right why not um all right we got dylan with another donation uh with the five dollars thanks so much dylan man we appreciate that he says thank you guys for the show motivation during my study hours yeah man no problem uh, excited for Ritter, but the bar is set really low after Mariota overthrowing eight, uh, an eight-foot-tall Pitts in London. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah, that, one thing. Yeah. I, I am really sad that we're not going to see Pitts at, like, healthy for these next few games because, one, you know, again, there's no way anybody Ritter could be worse throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts than Mariota was. I think Pitts had 38% of his passes uncatchable like this season which is ridiculous and very frustrating but for two it would be so it, it would be so much easier for Ritter having that kind of a target as well like don't get me wrong Drake London is is fine he's like you know he's a, he's a good first option in this offense but yeah it, it would have made his life a lot easier being able to throw to the most athletic tight end in the league yeah, I mean, that would obviously be really nice, and you would hope to see <laughs> we're able to put it on target a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm i excited. I, I think there's a lot of potential, and the expectations aren't super high. So, like, all, all I think all we really need to see is that Ritter looks, like, competent and, and shows some flashes because he is a rookie making his first couple starts. But I think it... It's it's just so much better for him to make his first couple starts this year than have a whole offseason to process all that all those live reps, all that game film, you know, and really work on his craft uh and and go into training camp like as the starter instead of like having to then win his job again or like have questions about like well we haven't seen him in live game action so we don't know and all this like it this is just a much better situation for him to go into, even though it's only four games, it's so much better that we're not talking about him, like not getting any play time this year, because that would have been the worst case scenario. And thankfully Adnan, we don't have to uh, deal with yeah. that. Yeah. And to answer Blake's question in the chat, I, if the Falcons only beat the saints and lose out the rest of the way, I'd be satisfied. Yep. Like I, I would, I would take it. Yeah. I would take it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're, if they're only going to win one more game, it better be the saints game. So <laughs> I mean, I'd much better rather, love to beat Tom Brady for one. Yeah, I mean that would be nice. I, I'd I'd much rather beat the Saints. Yeah, 
Yeah, but it's like they're in that situation at the end of the year where a loss is not necessarily like a bad thing. Like if you play a really good game and you just lose at the end, uh, that's going to help your draft pick. So, you know, it's not that bad because uh, we're not in contention for the playoffs and, and that sort of thing. So I'm not rooting for them to lose any games, but I probably will be less upset about the losses now because it does help their draft positioning. Um, and like, you know, if they win another game or two, they're probably going to be picking in that, you know, 12-ish range. Um, if they lose out, they could conceivably get as high as five. I don't really think that's likely. It's probably going to be, you know, six, seven, eight, something like that. But it's a Will Levis season, I see. (laughs) Will Levis season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could be Josh Allen. You know, I was not a Josh Allen fan, famously. Uh, I was very anti-Josh Allen, uh, did not really think he deserved to go in the first round. So I'm pro- I know already I'm probably not going to be a Will Levis fan either. Um, but some team's going to do it, and, you know, maybe they can strike gold again. But Josh Allen is the exception to the rule, not the the uh, standard. Uh, because my how favorite, many though, – what's my that? My favorite thing that I see is, um, is fans of teams justifying their, like, poor quarterback play or their young quarterbacks playing poorly by saying – Oh, well, Josh Allen in his first 19 starts, like... Uh, Literally, I, I've he's ne- the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen anyone take that much of a leap as Josh Allen, like, did when he did. Like, I see a lot of Giants fans comparing, especially comparing Daniel Jones to, oh, Josh Allen, like, you know, in his first two years versus Daniel Jones. Like, there's a reason why the Giants rejected Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. Exactly. Um, don't ever expect anyone to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen is singular. Um, same thing with, you know, even though I referenced Patrick Mahomes yesterday, like in talking about, you know, it's not that weird for teams to, to sit quarterbacks till late in the season. Like, don't expect anyone to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Like, there, it's not going to happen. Like, it's very, very unlikely. And if you go into anything expecting those sorts of outcomes, you're going to be disappointed. But... It doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that if don't, you know, set your expectations lower than that. Um, and don't don't evaluate quarterbacks with the Josh Allen lens uh, because he's really the only one that's worked out like that, um, especially considering how poor he was as a college quarterback. Like, that's the only one I, I can think of that's ever worked out. So, um, you know, Ritter is the opposite of Josh Allen. Great college quarterback, not necessarily as physically talented, gifted, but, I mean, Ritter was a good athlete. I mean, it's not like he tested out poorly or anything. Um, So his arm isn't as crazy, right, as Josh Allen's, and he's not as, like, just physically imposing, but still very good athlete. I'm pulling up his RIS because I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I mean, he's a 9.63 RIS himself, like Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, his four five two is like elite speed for a quarterback, and it's funny because he's he's great jumps, great dashes, good agilities, six, over six three two eleven. You know, um, he's fine. Like like Desmond Ritter is a very good athlete at quarterback, perfectly capable of being that level player. Um, but don't expect don't expect too much, and we'll we'll have to see what happens over these next four games, but. Uh, don't expect too much. You're just because then you're just gonna you're gonna put don't put like crazy expectations on Desmond Ritter for these last four games. I guess is is what I would 
recommend for your sanity, uh, everyone. But yeah, uh, anything else, Adnan, you want to touch on before we wrap up? Um, no, not really. Um, I see people are asking about the Hawks in the chat. Rather not talk about the Hawks right now. It's a, it's kind of rough right now with the injuries and the poor play. So I'll, I'll keep my sadness, uh, you know, constricted to the Falcons within w- within this realm at the moment. So <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. I I heard that uh, Murray is like out for a while. So that's just brutal. Also, oh, it's so. very bad, very poor. You know, very yeah. very important injury. Um, at least we have, you know, Desmond Ritter to give us some positive Falcons, you know, coverage, uh, hopefully. So it's not just, you know, negative Hawks stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, my hopes are that the Hawks figure it out soon. You know, it's, uh, you know, those games are a lot more fun when you're winning. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I have faith in the Hawks. I have faith in the Falcons long-term, um, Let's go out there and beat the Saints. Let's look at let's see what Desmond Ritter's got in the next few weeks. And then, you know, let's take those positive vibes into what will hopefully be the most memorable offseason for this team. And I don't even know how long, like 2008, since 2008. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so- it's... It's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I always love the draft, but free agency has been kind of just a black hole for this team the last few years where it was like, oh, well, let's look at the bargains they could go after. There's no such thing with that now. We can write about all the premium guys, um, and we're going to do so. Trust me, we're going to launch into that. It's great Um, for content. It's it's going to be great for content. Like, you know, it's... Cordero Patterson was a hell of a pick, you know, no offense to him, but that's yeah, yeah. our biggest free agent. Yeah, yeah, home run, home run bargain pickup. You know, I like the Demir Bird pickup for, for the Chief last year. Yeah, um, Hodge, you know, uh, Abdullah Anderson. Yeah. was, you know, good. Like, yeah. you know, this is, you know, Fontenot's excelled at that, but, you know, it's, it's a lot more exciting for the fan base when, you know, you're really you – know, you're linked to all of these big guys, you know, you're, you're linked to a, you know, a De'Aaron Payne from yeah, yeah. Uh, from Washington, you know, you're linked to, uh, is it Hendrickson? Jesse Bates. Yeah. yeah Jesse <laughs> Is Hendrickson a free agent from Cincinnati? I don't know if I was seeing that correctly. I think that was last year. Um, I'll check. It was a Bengal last year, but you know, well, we don't even know who all is getting cut to like, the free agent market isn't yeah, yet yeah. either. Exactly. Yeah, I so. think like Yannick Ngakwe is a free agent. Clowney. Uh, Robert Quinn again. Uh, Samson Ebukam. Melvin Ingram. Justin Houston. Uh, Marcus Davenport, I guess, is a free agent. Uh, oh, man, Dante Fowler, the reunion. Ooh. <laughs> I, I would also love to bring Davenport and have him becoming actually good. I think that, yeah, that, would, that would be that, hilarious. The Saints fans would be seething at that point just for just for the chance of that might be worth it i don't know but uh yeah there's so much content to get to this offseason guys we do really appreciate you all hanging out with us during the difficult times but we will have tons of stuff coming your way this offseason as well uh like i said i will be at the senior bowl uh we are doing the fundraiser so any any contributions there help me get there without having to you know dive into my savings accounts so that's all very appreciated um but yeah i will be immediately after the season wraps um 
spitting out that draft content, getting you guys ready for the Senior Bowl. I'll be watching a lot of guys going into that event, and then, of course, bringing you the live updates from the event, the clips I know everybody loves. Um, And we will take it from there, because right after that, we'll be talking about free agency, and then it'll be draft coverage all offseason, and uh, it's an exciting offseason. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, Still got four more games. Still got a lot of evaluation to do. Um, and if you want to hear more about that, those angles, we did talk about it at great length last night on Falcoholic Live. Um, we talked about like all the defensive young guys we'd like to see and some of the other offensive players that maybe could get worked in. So definitely check that out for more of that. Those, those other positions, because this Desmond Ritter move is not likely to be the only one, um, that they're making as they sort of shift this into future focused mode, as opposed to, uh, try to hold on to a, a very sl- tiny sliver of playoff chance mode. Um, but before we take off, want to thank my co-host today, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you'd like to plug before we take off? Um, My State of the NFC South article that I mentioned last night, that's about it. Um, yeah, stick with us for all of your Falcons needs. You know, we have a lot of great bye week coverage, um, a lot of, a lot of Desmond Ritter coverage going on today. So, yeah, just check out falcoholic.com. Yeah, yeah, definitely, guys. Uh, check it out. There's tons of good stuff. I know Dave just wrote something this afternoon on Ritter. Uh, we'll have some, I think, uh, Will McFadden's going to be working on something, more of a deep dive on Ritter, going back and looking at his tape from the preseason. Uh, so there's going to be all kinds of stuff coming. Um, there's going to be all that sweet, sweet content. We will have more live. We'll have more shows. There's not going to be a show this weekend, obviously, because there's no game, but we'll be back early in the week. Um, and we will uh, be back on Wednesday for the next Falcoholic Live. Uh, that'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so enjoy your, your stress-free, Falcons-free <laughs> football weekend. Uh, enjoy the bye. Uh, we'll be back at full speed next week uh for week 15 hate week part two coverage uh getting ready for the falcons to take on the saints and hopefully beginning the desmond ritter legend uh in a positive manner um guys i'm kevin at falcoholic kevin uh like i said please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already those really help us out uh if you're listening to the podcast leave us a five-star review and if you're interested in supporting the show uh, leave a tip. If you have a question, we will read it on the next show. So you feel free to leave it, uh, while we're offline and check out the Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live for all those exclusive perks. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks.